is the Beyond the Studio podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Amanda Adams. And I'm Nicole Muller. And we're here to help you figure out the business of being an artist. Here we'll share honest conversations with artists, makers, and business experts and dive deep into the work that happens beyond the studio. Since this is an adult podcast hosted by two young adults, there's a possibility of some adult language being used. If this might offend ears around you, be sure to pop in your headphones before listening to this episode. On today's episode, Nicole and I will be interviewing Luke Martin, the screen printer from Baltimore, and uh, the man behind Suburban Avenger. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, Do you want to tell us a little bit about your work and your background? Sure. Yeah. So I, uh, most of what I do is all hand illustrated and then hand printed, um, screen prints, primarily like gig posters and concert posters. Um, but also a lot of like location based prints and movie posters and kind of a a whole pretty broad range of stuff. Um, but everything I do, you know, lots of times I'll mix traditional, traditional illustration and just pen and ink with Photoshop techniques and all that. And then I print it all out. So it's it's a it's a process. <laughs> Sweet. And what got you into screen printing in the first place? I've always really wanted to try it and that was the medium that a lot of my favorite artists used. And so my senior year I got to try it and I did my very first screen print and I was just like this is the best thing ever. Like this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And when I went to Towson University, I took a screen printing class and I just fell in love with it. And were you born and raised in the Baltimore area as well? No, I um I'm actually from the Eastern Shore of Maryland which if you're familiar with the area it's very rural and there's a lot of corn there uh there's not a lot of art or people or anything it's just it's it's a whole lot of nothing kind of so I know a little bit about eastern shore because my husband's from Ken Island oh okay but that's about I as mean, far that's, out that's as like, I've that's gone that's like hardly shore you're, you're practically <laughs> western shore at that point um, I mean, Ken Island's relatively like built up, but it's you—you kind of get out there, and it's—it's it's the sticks, you know. Like, it's definitely—it was a good place to grow up, but I'm just really happy that I live where I do now. Um, but it also kind of just makes me appreciate where I am a lot more, I think, because like, you know, I didn't grow up in like metropolitan Baltimore. Like, I grew up in like a completely different part of the state. Picture like if you've if you've ever been in the Midwest, picture the Midwest. It's it's a little like that. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like there wasn't uh, maybe a whole lot in the way of creative community for you growing up there. How did you sort of find your way into um, art as any sort of path that you wanted to pursue? Did it really start with that screen printing course that you took in high school? No, it was I mean, I had been doing art all throughout high school. My oldest brother, he always did art when he was in high school. And like he was he was really good. He doesn't do it as much anymore. And I always hassle him and tell him he needs to. So I would always like, you know, like I he would give me like his old sketchbooks and stuff like that. And then when I was a freshman in high school, this guy who was a senior, this guy named Steve Willie, who he's an absolutely incredible artist. He was kind of like my mentor all throughout a lot of high school. And like, we still do a lot of work together. So there was him. And then I just, I had a really, really good art teacher who I had him all throughout high school. And like, he really pushed me and challenged me to kind of get to like the point I needed to be at. So there wasn't, there wasn't a ton of support. And I mean, of course there was my parents too. My parents have always been very, very supportive. There wasn't always a ton of support, but the support I had was really, really good. Yeah, that makes a huge difference. Um, we always kind of start off with that, I think, just to get a sense of the the kind of um, art background and just background in general that people are coming in with and mm-hmm. you know how they sort of found themselves on this crazy career path. So you come out to Towson University and are you are you studying art at that point? Like, are you deciding that you want to major in in art or in printmaking? Well, for for the longest time, I was actually an art education major because I thought that, you know, if I wanted to make money in the art field, then for some reason I had to be an art teacher, which, um, you know, as we know, that's not necessarily true. Mm -hmm. And so like I, I left that and then I was kind of general fine arts, but then I kind of like, I guess, declared my major to be screen printing and kind of just went from there. And I know you uh, made the decision to leave school. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because I know, and uh, you know, we're talking about this a little bit, but so many of our guests have been MICA grads and that you know obviously is because of the community Nicole and I both came from so we we know so many MICA grads because we are MICA grads mm-hmm. um, but I don't want to give people the impression that we think that 
college is for everybody and art school is for everybody and that those are requirements to be successful in your life mm-hmm. and in your career mm-hmm. and here you are proving that so I would love to hear about that decision well it was kind of like a complicated process I guess which um you know Amanda from what we were chatting on Skype it sounds like we'll kind of hit on this a little later but um mm-hmm. about a year ago like I was always going into college, I was always kind of like unsure if it was something that like ultimately I needed because, you know, it's like as an artist, more often than not, like college isn't necessary. And I knew, you know, lots of my role models and like artists that I really looked up to, like they didn't go to college. Mm -hmm. And so I always kind of had the thought in the back of my mind. I was like, you know, like, is this something that like I really need to see through? And then about a year ago, I kind of just had all of these really bad, I guess, kind of bouts with um, anxiety and depression. And um, it kind of just mounted and um, I took some time off college. And in that time off, like, you know, in the back of my head, I was like, yeah, you know, I'll go back in the spring semester and keep going with things. But in that time off, um, I got a part-time job for another artist, Charlie Barton, who he does screen prints too. He's on East Baltimore. And I was working part-time for him and I kept kind of doing my own stuff. And then in January, I got my first gig poster job and it kind of just went from there. Like I just kept taking all the jobs I could get. You know, eventually I was at the point where I was like, you know, like I don't think I'd really need college to make this work. So, yeah. And so when you took this job uh, working at the print shop, was he sort of showing you the ropes as far as, um, or I guess maybe an earlier question would be like, were you already starting to take on freelance projects? And were you, you know, approaching the projects that you had while you were in college with the sort of intent that, um, you know, you were going to be doing this as uh, a business of sorts? Or did that just really start to to snowball slowly for you once you took some time and kind of devoted yourself more fully to it? What kinds of mentors were you finding or, or other ways uh, to mm-hmm. kind of teach yourself what you needed to know uh, to make this happen for you? Um, it really kind of just started snowballing with like the more time that I had off. Uh, when I was working for Charlie, I wasn't really doing directly printing stuff. I was kind of just doing a lot of like helping him with a lot of back end stuff. Um, and just like different like miscellaneous like shop assistant sort of things. But in that time that I had off, you know, it was like I would work for him like three or four days a week and then I would kind of just have the rest of the time to myself. In that time, I would kind of just like work on my own stuff, but it was still pretty much everything that I did last year. It was all pretty much for myself. I really didn't have many client jobs at all last year. But then as soon as the year changed, it was just an instant flip. And, you know, pretty much all of the jobs I have now are really like for a band or for a client. And like, I can kind of squeeze like a couple personal projects in there, but it's not nearly as many as I would I would like to get in. So how did that switch happen then? Were you starting to, to do a lot of outreach or research and seeking these kinds of things out? Or did they come to you? It was, I mean, some of it was outreach, but a lot of it in the beginning was strangely kind of like a natural progression. There was a guy on Instagram who is, he goes by Garageland. Um, this guy, Lou, like he does posters himself, but like he gets more jobs than he can take on. So he kind of outsources these jobs to different artists he found my work and he reached out to me asking if like you know we'd want to do some work together and um i owe just about everything to him really because he he gave me my first gig poster job and then um another artist uh a guy jeff everett who he goes by rockets are red he lives uh he's like dc area he gave me like my second gig and then I kind of just started getting like more gigs through GarageLand and it just, it kind of just went from there. And now it's to the point where it's like, you know, I'll have some things from there or like there's a couple times, like I just finished up a job for this band, um, Rainbow Kitten Surprise. And that's one that came just cause like I shot an email out to them and I was like, you know, like, Hey, like I really like your guys' stuff. Like, this is what I do. Like, would you be looking for any work? And they're like, yeah, you know, and, um, I did the posters for their entire fall tour. So like, that was really, really cool. Wow. Yeah. But it's just like in, you know, the 10 month span, it's like, it feels very strange to kind of look at where I was a year ago and, or even at the beginning of the year and kind of just like put myself where I am now, I guess. Yeah. And and to brag on your behalf a little bit, like when I was looking at your posters, I mean, you've done stuff for Circuit Survive, Death Cab for Cutie, Yellow Card, Say mm-hmm. Anything. And like, these are bands I grew up on, yeah, like I mean, idolizing. Well, and- did, I, did I tell you, did I tell you the gig I'm working on right now? No. So you can't see it because you can't see my screen, but I have you guys in this little <laughs> corner 
And then on the left side, I'm not sure if I'm actually allowed to talk about this, but like it's been really we hard can to cut keep. It out it. If we have to. It's been hard to keep it a secret. Um, I'm actually doing a poster for Brand New. <gasps> ah, cool. So, oh my god. And that's literally an absolute dream gig. Like they're my favorite band. I never really thought I would get this job, but um, I've been working away on that like on and off for the past month, and I think I'm finally gonna finish up either tonight or tomorrow. So that's really exciting. Oh my god. Congrats. And. Was that something that you reached out to them or they reached out to you? That I actually got through the venue that they're playing at. It's uh, Electric wow. Factory in Philly. And that's just mm-hmm. because I met uh, one of the people who works there at a show I was doing in Philly. And they're kind of just like, hey, like, would you want to do some work for us? And, um, you know, I talked to them and we got this on the board. So awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I wanted to ask with some of the other um, gigs you're describing, getting through these connections to other artists, were those people that you knew in person or was just this through the online community of Instagram that you were, you know, making these connections? A lot of them I did know in person. Like I've, I've known Jeff for a while. Um, and just, I mean, well, he's kind of like the main one. I mean, a lot of it has just been that kind of online networking, but I mean, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like you go to shows around here and maybe you like meet someone who works at Ram's Head or you go to a show in Philly and meet someone who works at Electric Factory. And it's kind of just like stuff like that. You know, it's like, it's really kind of just hoping that the right people see your stuff, you know? Yeah. So when you're meeting these people in person, are, do you feel pretty comfortable bringing up the fact that you're an artist and a printmaker and that you do this kind of work? Like, are you, Yeah. Um, I don't want to say pitching yourself, but we actually were just having this conversation um, yesterday, I think with uh, Micah Wood, who is a photographer and also works with a lot of musicians. And mm-hmm. we're just kind of talking about that, you know, not even necessarily networking per se, but just building relationships with people and you know involving yourself in the kind of community that you want to work with and be a part of and learning to do that in a way that's authentic and you know doesn't feel forced but just learning to talk about your work and pitch what you're doing in a genuine way I've generally never found it too difficult because lots of times like when someone comes up to me at that show you know it's like I'm standing in front of my booth or my table and behind me is like all my different posters and stuff like that. So it's like, Oh, okay. So you're like selling merch yeah, at these. It's yeah, not like you're just yeah. there for the show. Yeah. Well, gotcha. I, when I say show, I mean like, you know, like your art walk or craft fair, like, you know, those oh, different okay. things. Not, not like a concert. Gotcha. It's, Generally, like, I feel like it's not that difficult because, like, you know, you're standing in front of, like, your full body work. So, like, in a way, you kind of just let it, like, speak for itself. You know, it's like, I mean, like, I'll talk, like, a little bit about what I do, but, like, most of the time, I don't know. Like, I feel like conversation goes pretty naturally. So how did you get involved with those kinds of shows? Because I know that's how you and Amanda also met is through Mm -hmm. that craft fair circuit. Um, and are you just researching and applying for these as well? Yeah, we were we were talking about craft fairs uh, <laughs> just earlier tonight. Yeah, it's kind of just a lot of that. Like, especially now that like I don't have like a part time job and this is like my full thing, I try to mm-hmm. stay like as busy as I can. Like in Baltimore, they have a farmers market every Sunday, and um, if I'm not doing a show elsewhere, then like I'll go down and do that because it's like it's one of those things where it only costs like $30 to do and it's like a mile away. And it's like some Sundays I make a hundred dollars. Some Sundays I make like $700. So it's oh, like, wow. Yeah, it's not, great. it's not, Damn, a why am I not doing the farmer's you market? Sh- you should definitely sign up for it. It's, it's good. I mean, waking up at 5am sucks, but like besides that, it's not bad. Yeah. It yeah. sounds like you're turning a profit um, with that almost every week. So yeah. I like mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty hard to lose money on those, but I've just been trying to like stay as busy as I can because because, you know, like, as artists, like, you know, when you have, like, Jan- you're doing shows, like, all summer, but then, like, January, February, March, and April, it's just, like, nothing. So, um, yep. holiday season. It's the dead season. <laughs> like, December, I'm really trying to get more shows, but, like, I got rejected from one earlier today, and I haven't been able to find many others. So, um, that's not going great. So yeah. And yeah. just to put this out there, like one of the things that drew me to like pursuing a creative friendship with you was that you went around at the craft show that we were both at and just introduced yourself. Mm-hmm. And there are not a lot of people that do that, myself included. I I don't do that. I just set up, set up my booth and stay there the whole time. I try to do that when I can. And I think that's something that's really important because there can be this sort of unspoken and maybe not even real like feeling of competitiveness against your fellow crafters. And I hate that mentality and I try very hard to break that and to encourage people to pursue friendships because we are all experiencing the same struggle. We're all trying to get by. We're all just trying to make money doing something that we absolutely love. And 
there's no reason to put people down because of it. And so I, I appreciate that you are like, you're very good at being positive and building good connections and just being a very genuine, authentic person, which well, thank you. is yeah, great. Thanks. <laughs> and, but it, and it's like building off what you said, you know, it's like you make, you know, like hand stitched plants out of like felt and like <laughs> yeah. I, I make screen prints. So we're like, we're in no way in direct competition where it's like, there's been yeah. other shows, there's been other shows like Crafty Bastards or Artscape where like there'd be other like screen printers there. And it's like, I'm, I'm not going to drop any names because I don't want to like, you know, some of them are Baltimore based, like, I don't want to speak ill will of them, but it's like, you know, mm -hmm. like, I'll go up to them and I'll talk to them and be like, yeah, you know, like, this is what I do. And they just seem like they just don't give a shit at all. And it's like, that's yeah. kind of like, it's not like disheartening, but it's kind of just like, all right, like, cool, you know, like, when you try to like, talk to people, and you know, like, they just won't really even like, entertain conversation, like, they'll just seem completely just uninterested in whatever you have to say. Yeah. Yeah, I know I've I've definitely had some interactions with some crafters where I'm like, I don't I don't know why you're unwilling to speak to me or like yeah, you, exactly. you look at me like I'm trying to like steal your business exactly. or like I I don't know. Some people just look at you like you walked up to their booth and then just farted all over it. And there's no there's, <laughs> there's no reason to like and have a negative attitude. Another thing that's been interesting that like I've learned this year is um it kind of seems to be like a regional thing because back in I think it was June or July I did a show called Flatstock in Chicago um and it was part of Pitchfork Music Festival and basically mm -hmm. it was me and like 30 other screen like exclusively just screen pro screen printers and gig poster artists like that's that's all it was it was me and like 30 of these other guys in this one area but it's like you talk to them and like there's no competition there you know like everyone just wants to be friends with everyone else like it's not like you're trying to like outdo each other because like everyone kind of gets that like everyone's just gonna do their own thing and they're supportive yeah. of that you know they're not trying to like outdo one another or, like one up each other and so that's I guess that's kind of one little nitpick I have with Baltimore is that like I feel like it it's one of those communities that could be more supportive but mm -hmm. that's that's just my take on it yeah I wanted to ask also because you chose to brand yourself under the name Suburban Avenger. Do you want to talk about... Oh, that was my favorite question. <laughs> Do you want to talk about <laughs> that? And also, what made you decide to choose a brand name as opposed to using your name? Because that was a decision mm -hmm. I also made. And I, I always want to know kind of why people choose to brand as they do. So I never wanted to, <laughs> I never wanted to go with Suburban Avenger. And like, that's kind of why recently, like, I've been doing a lot of my stuff under like Suburban Avenger Studios, because like, I like the idea mm -hmm. of having it be like, I mean, yeah, because, you know, you're, like, close call studio. Like, I like the idea of having it be more of, like, an entity as opposed to, like, one sole person, I guess. Mm -hmm. But basically how that came to be was just, like, you know, all throughout high school, my Instagram handle was just Suburban Avenger. And, like, I never changed it or anything. So, like, that's kind of what people you came to know me. just stuck with it. Yeah, like, that's what people came to know me by. So then, like, you know, like, two years ago when I was trying to brand myself, I was like, okay, like, what do I do? And everyone already knew me as Suburban Avenger. So I'm like, all right, well, yeah. I guess I'm stuck with this. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's like, I don't really put it on too much. I mean, like, you know, I'll put it on my posters or like shirts or like a couple other things here and there. But I, I chose to do that instead of going by my given name, just because like, I mean, like, I like my name, you know, it's just like, Luke Martin though you know it's it's nothing like it's nothing really like grabbing I guess like you know Amanda yours it is wasn't like, like a searchability thing yeah yeah no like Luke Martin is okay. like a basketball player in like Australia or something like that you know when it's okay. like Amanda your name flows because it's like the double A's and stuff like that but you know it's like yeah but I'm not the most popular Amanda Adams there's a fitness model out there, there so see, she's, there you go. she gets all the Google searches but you know it's like I wasn't born with a name like you know like Shepard Ferry or like Esau Andrews or like Aaron Horky or like kind of those uncommon yeah. names that you remember so I was kind of just like mm -hmm. well I guess you know I'm just screwed so thanks mom and dad but you know it's whatever it's okay some of us are given some really white bread names and uh some of us are given really cool names at least my name isn't like John Smith or something like that like that would I think that's the most white bread name <laughs> it is I did go to high school with the John Smith but he went by his middle name which I currently can't remember well it wasn't <laughs> john smith then. equally as a <laughs> yeah doing great <laughs> so was the decision to tack uh this word studio onto the end with the idea of uh, like allowing for some future growth or imagining yourself as working uh, 
part of a larger studio essentially yeah yeah kind of like i i played around with it for a while like at first it was just like suburban avenger which like i mean i guess you know that's like fine and then it was like suburban avenger handmade goods for like a brief second in time which that's kind of a mouthful yeah and then i kind of settled yeah exactly and then i kind of <laughs> just settled on suburban avenger studios because it's like the sas like I think it I think it flows pretty well and but yeah it, it does kind of leave it open because like I don't want to just be like you know like suburban adventure screen prints or like suburban adventure like illustration because I do more than that you know like I'll do like graphic design work or like you know obviously I do illustration and posters but it's like there's a lot more than just that I guess mm -hmm. and do you work with assistants or are you working pretty solo um, in the studio right now it's solo there's been times that I wish I had help. <laughs> But it's kind of like, there's not really much that I could hire people to do, you know, because it's like, obviously, like, I can't pay someone to design posters for me. And like, I don't want to have to pay someone to print my posters either when I'm capable of doing it myself. I take on a lot of work on myself, but there's not really any way I can lighten that up unless like I turn jobs down, basically. Yeah. Do you have any strategies that you use to try to make things as efficient as possible or like a schedule that you try to keep to? I have a list that's actually right here. Okay. That's been, this has been my running list since like April. Um, and I'll just add jobs to it and cross them off when I finish it. There's not really like any, I don't really have any set system. Like I, I feel like no one does it's kind of just looking and seeing you know what's due sooner you know what's more important what is higher priority i don't know earlier this year like you know last week was really bad because you know sometimes like someone will be like hey you know we need this job done but we need it like next week so you just have like a huge rush on things but i mean i'm still at the point where it's like i don't really want to say no to anything you know which yeah. i feel like isn't a bad thing but sometimes like you know, I'll say yes to a lot and then I really end up regretting it because, you know, I'm drinking coffee and taking Adderall at 8 p.m. and it's terrible. Yeah, there's a huge <laughs> element of project management there. And I know, Amanda, you and I have talked about or you talked about this um, with your own work, but just this sort of seasonal flow, especially when you're participating yeah. in these craft shows, like you have these really intense, busy seasons and then other times where it really slows down. And now it sounds like you've got a pretty good handle on it, Amanda, where you know what's coming up. And so I know now you're in the midst of preparing for the holiday season ahead and you know you're still a few months out so there's definitely that um kind of forward thinking that that comes into it um do you kind of feel the same way Luke like you're you starting to get a sense of the rhythm of the year I mean I know a lot of this is very new yeah no I I really do like the beginning of summer was rough because like kind of just adjusting to like you know having to prepare for shows at the same time but um now mm -hmm. like I've really kind of got a handle on it and you know it's like for most of the year, you know, like, Nicole, I don't know if you've seen some of my work, but, you know, like, I have a lot of, like, the city-based things, like the beer cans and the city of prints and that sort of thing. You know, those are always what sells really good at shows. Like, I'll always sell more of those than I will, like, gig posters or anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of, like, most of the year has been, like, a 50-50 split of, like, half stuff, you know, different cities for different shows and then half gig posters and there's no room for, like, personal projects in there. So that's why I'm kind of looking forward to winter because since there's not going to be any shows, it's going to be, you know, half gig posters and then like half personal projects, which I think will be a nice kind of change up. And also it's kind of nice because, you know, next year, if I'm doing shows in like, you know, New Jersey or Philly or Chicago or New York, like I already have those pieces done for those shows. Like I might have to print more but I'm not going to have to spend all that time redesigning things, which will be nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. I, I definitely am right there with you where I have all these ideas that I want to do for personal projects, but I have to think in terms of like what is going to get me paid. Exactly. And yeah. so those personal projects just become a growing list that maybe during the like January to April slow season, that's when I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I'll do some personal projects. But I usually just end up that's... being like, I am really tired. I don't want to do anything related to art after holiday and I just end up playing a lot of video games. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in the middle of putting like $2,500 worth of repairs in my car. 
So Oof. I'm going to be putting forth a lot of work all the way into the end of the year, but then I'm taking off most of January and just spending it on the road. And I'm really excited mm -hmm. about that. Nice. I really wish I could do more personal projects, but it's kind of nice with the gig posters because lots of times, like, you usually get pretty free reign over, you know, what you can do for the band. Like, as long as it's sort of something that, like, fits in with their aesthetic. And so it's nice because like, you know, if there's an idea that I've been wanting to do for a while, I can just put that and then slap a band name on it and like call it done. But at the same time, like you're still kind of doing that work where, you know, you know, it's for a paycheck and not for yourself which kind of gives it that like different value. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about that process just of working on these posters? Like are the bands or is it more often the venues that are coming to you? And then like, what does that working relationship look like? Do they pretty much give you the dates for the show or give you the deadline? And then, you know, you're just submitting the illustration. It sounds like you mm -hmm. have a lot of creative freedom. Um, or are there any more collaborative elements to it? Not really. Uh, the, there's a couple times that I've been in, like, a direct working relationship with the band. And when I do that, I generally ask them, the, like, three times that I've done that have been incredibly tight deadlines. So, like, when I'm doing something like that, like, you know, I'll ask them if they have any ideas of, like, what they want done. Just because, like, you know, they can give me their ideas and then I can work off of them and then we kind of just go from there. Mm -hmm. And so I'll do that. But, like, for the times where it's, like, you know, I've done work through, like, Garage Land or just working with, like, managers, then it's kind of, like, I'll just brainstorm things and, you know, like, see what I think or, like, just think about, like, what I think would be best, like, for that band. I mean, I've only, I've been lucky enough to only have a poster rejected, like, once. So that's pretty good. You know, and most of the times, like, you know, if, like, I completely finish like an illustration and it gets rejected, then I'll just hold on to it and then send it off to another band like a couple months later, you know? Yeah. Oh, that way the work doesn't get wasted. Exactly. Exactly. Like, cause I'm not going to put like two weeks in a project and then just like throw it away when it's something that like could potentially make money. Yeah. The poster I'm doing for brand new, like I have like three different ideas of what I'm going to do with the line work down the road, just because it's, it's something that I literally put like six weeks of work into. So it's like, I want that to last me for a long time, you know? So yeah. it's kind of, and just like figuring out what you can do to sort of like maximize the potential impact that like that piece will have like in you know like your stock and your portfolio for like the foreseeable future yeah i have a really practical question about that so i think that like hopefully most artists know that are working with clients like in any sort of capacity that you always want to retain the rights to your artwork right you mm -hmm. don't want to just be doing work for hire so mm -hmm. i'm curious like the the like something that enables you to do that is that having like a really clear contract that that you've created or come up with or like are the relationships more open-ended than that like do you have all of this in writing to enable you to like continue doing this in the future or what is what's some of that look like um, i've never actually that? had to like sign a contract for anything it's generally just like, you know, you have that like, you know, you set everything up over email and sort of have that like spoken agreement. And um, yeah, that paper trail. Yeah, exactly. Like I have yet to have anyone really screw me over, you know, not knock on wood. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like, I mean, lots of times there's not really like too much to figure out. Like generally, like when I'm doing a gig poster, you know, if the band wants a hundred, then like I'll print a hundred and then ask if I can like make like 15 extra that I can then, you know, sell myself. Oh, I gotcha. So that does kind of help me keep like rights to my own artwork more or less. You know, I think it'd be different if it was for like, you know, a piece of clothing or, you know, an album cover or like mm -hmm. something that's going to be representing the band in more ways than just being like a poster for like one night or a couple nights of shows. Mm -hmm. You probably pretty much just answered that. But have you had any experiences where something definitely went wrong and you learned from it? Kind of. So generally when <laughs> I'll like cut my deadlines very, very close sometimes, um, especially earlier this year, that was a habit that was really bad because I would just take on a lot of work not thinking about like how I was gonna like pot like phys like physically get it all done in time and I I didn't get burned I just so okay so basically when I send a poster off for approval it'll generally get approved maybe within like you know a day or so but um earlier this year I did a poster for the shins and um I sent it off for approval maybe like on a Monday and you know the show was like next friday so it was like it was like two weeks out so like it was a, it was a decent chunk of time that i had to get the poster done and we were just waiting for approval all week and that weekend i had renegade craft fair in new york oh. on saturday and sunday and yeah. so if i didn't print the poster 
uh, before I left for Renegade, then like I wasn't sure if it was going to get done in time for the show. Mm -hmm. So what happened was I'm just waiting for it to get approved and we don't hear anything until 2 p.m. on Friday. So oh at, oh, two, at 2 p.m. on Friday, I hear the word that it gets approved. And so I, you know, I get my transparencies. I go into the studio and it was 124 color posters. Oh, my God. And this was the first time I think that I did a gig poster that had four colors in it. So, I mean, you know, you know how screen printing works. Like with every color, it just adds that much time to it. Yeah. And so this was the first time that I was doing a poster with four colors. And I finished it at about 2.30 a.m. Like that was when I finished the last color and I had to quickly cut all of them and I didn't even have time to sign and number them. So what happened was I had to put them all back in the box and then we drove from Baltimore up to New... And so this was at 3 a.m. And then so at 3 a.m. we drove from Baltimore up to New York and got to Renegade. And before I even set up for Renegade, I literally had to pull the box out. I had to sign a number, all of them, pack them. And then my roommate who was with me had to take them to the nearest FedEx to ship them off from New York City. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's that's probably the worst, worst experience I've had with kind of dealing with those things. But like a lot of it was kind of my own fault just because like... I took on a lot of work thinking I could get it all done. And I, I did get it done. It was just terrible. It was real close. <laughs> it sucked. You could say it was a close call. Oh, no. Uh, that was terrible. It's okay. Amanda so loves so a good pun. So. I'm so sorry. No, no. I'm canceling this interview. It's all over. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ooh, well. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, that was miserable. That was absolutely terrible. Yeah. yeah. I think Damn. we've all been there in some sense. Yeah, it sucks when you have to learn things the hard way. But yep. I think those experiences, like those are the kind of mistakes that you don't make twice or the kinds of things nope. that you like, you don't give people the opportunity to give you basically 12 hours to produce. I mean, you're essentially doing around like 500 prints at that yeah, point. Yeah, that's, that's about like 500 every, pools. God. Um, I mean, that's what kind of sucks Ugh. sometimes is like, you know, in dealing with bands like you know, it's cool to be able to work for like big bands and stuff like that. But lots of times they sort of like disregard the artist to a certain degree. There's times that I did a poster for a band that it, it didn't actually end up getting approved, but um, it was potentially going to be for their entire summer tour. It was it was a really big band and the design fee was only three hundred dollars. And, you know, I was kind of trying to see if I could get more from that. And basically their answer was just, you know, if you don't take the three hundred, then we'll find another artist who will. And so it, oh. it kind of sucks when you just get the shitty end of the stick like that. Yeah. Or, you know, in the case of that's in the case of the shins. Oh, sorry. In the case of the shins where they just kind of blow off your emails until like the last second, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And that sucks because it puts it on you to decide, like, do I choose to get underpaid, but to do a cool job? Or do I choose to make sure that I'm paid what I deserve and maybe pass up an opportunity? I, I definitely have had those times where people are like, can you do it for less? Like just the other day, mm -hmm. um, someone had reached out and asked if I could do a consignment gig for a 50-50 split. And I was like, <sighs> no, no, I would like, never do that. I do, I do wholesale for 50-50. And if I consign, it's at least 60-40. Yeah. But in that, and you know, I could have said like, oh, this is outrageous. But I was just like, would you be willing to do a 60-40 split? Or would mm -hmm. you be willing to purchase wholesale if you're doing 50-50? Like, those are what That's... I have. And then they ended up being like, yeah, we can consign at your rate. And, yeah. But I've also had people be like, nope, this is what we do. And I'm like, then I got to say no. Yeah. That's like, there was this pop-up shop in Annapolis that reached out to me and they said, you know, it's like, I'd have to bring my stuff there. I'd have to set it up. And I forget if they would sell it or like if I had to like, you know, be there to kind of like take care of things. But they were like, it's a 50-50 split. And I'm like, that's literally like insulting. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, I'm not going to do that you know i mean like wholesale is different because you know it's like you're getting that money like up front and you get that chunk mm -hmm. but it's just like to do like 50 50 consignment that's that's kind of bullshit like yeah yeah so i recommend those listening don't do that <laughs> yeah yeah um i yeah i feel like we're i mean every artist can think back to a similar situation that they've been in and that's such a, a tough line to walk is you know valuing yep. yourself and the work you know at the rate that you really should be paid and and 
weighing all of the pros and cons of every opportunity that comes up and it is really difficult because the sad reality is that there are a lot of artists who are willing to take on you know work for way less than than they really should and that kind of collectively you know damages the whole because you know you have to be willing to walk away from those opportunities um, exactly yeah to, to send exactly. that message, and that can be really difficult and that's like i mean if i'm being honest like when i'm talking to like you know a band or like something like that like I'll try to get a better price or whatever or negotiate something better but like when it comes down to it like I'm more than likely going to take that gig like no matter what you know just because if it's something that you know I know would be good for me to do or you know that I make profit off of it you know it's like that's that's important to do so I think it's like it's good to be able to negotiate but sometimes you kind of just have to accept it and go with it and you know take the best you can get yeah and I've I've had moments like that where I selectively chose the kind of getting underpaid option but whenever I do that I try to include a disclaimer where it's like just letting you know my typical rate is this yeah and I'm really stoked on the project so like my excitement is willing to take less but in the future these are my rates so this is like a one-time offer at this rate and that's been helpful but then there have also been people where they have you know, done that one thing and then they never come back. But then other people are like, oh yeah, I totally understand. You know, we're all, we're all just trying to get by. That's, that's sort of like with the brand new poster, I'm getting paid a rate that's much, much lower than I would normally ask for. And Mm -hmm. the rate that, that the venue pays is they're like, okay, this is like how much it is for like a three color poster. And Mm -hmm. you know, it's 53 color posters, but the poster I'm doing is seven colors. (laughs) so but when when I was trying to like first get this gig I literally told them like I would do it for free just because it's like you know sometimes you get that stuff that you're just really really passionate about that you're just like all right like I want to do this no matter what and that's that's Mm -hmm. basically kind of how this was yeah well there's so many different approaches and you know I've heard you can work for free or work for you know your rate but don't work for cheap or you know maybe there's some kind of sliding scale that you have based on work that you might be wanting to do for a nonprofit organization versus a large corporation with a huge budget. And, you know, there's so many factors that go into it. And that's, you know, one of the things that makes it really difficult. But I really do think it would take just a collective decision amongst all artists to say, like, here's sort of the the minimum. We all we all just establish establish our set rates. Yeah, Yeah. because otherwise, you know, that that is the truth. And that's, I feel like a form of leverage that, um, you know, companies or clients will often use is and I guess maybe that's why there's this lack of understanding over what is actually expected of them um and they continue just to set these low rates um knowing that some artists will take it there's this other podcast i listen to called adventures in design where it's all just like you know artists and like printmakers and illustrators and stuff and uh Mm -hmm. the other week they were talking about this design group called design pickle which i don't know if either of you guys have heard of it but basically it's like Mm -hmm. what it is is companies can pay i think it's like some like 300 dollars monthly fee to get just unlimited design you know assets and whatever they need for all their product fulfillment or whatever they're doing. And it's just like things like that are really bad because that just devalues, you know, like artists' individual work as a whole. Oh, because absolutely. it's like, you know, when businesses have that option to kind of turn to things like that, you know, that really kind of just takes a blow on us because it's just like, well, you know, we're people, not like a company. And, you know, we can't get paid what we deserve, which kind of sucks as a whole. Yeah. And it undervalues the work that goes into it. And I've heard of another one called, I think it's called 99 Designs, which has like a similar model of, yeah, it's like a, you know, cheap rate and you get all these options like all these people are sending you pitches and it just makes it sound like that's how it works you don't have to pay for the time or design it's like people are just you know putting in all this work for free and coming to you yeah and And it's just like you know like we we can't we can't get paid like what we should be getting paid you know which which is frustrating yeah and it's like you're not gonna go to a day job and do work without clocking in and you should get paid for all of your work and like we talked about a little bit with micah and his interview but you should get paid like in an office you're getting paid when you're like walking something to the copier Mm -hmm. and like you should get paid for every ounce of work that you are doing as a creative entrepreneur as well Yeah, exactly and i think about it because there's this app called fiverr where like the standard rate 
is five dollars and you offer a service and some of them are like logo design i'm like oh my god you should not be able to pay five dollars to get a logo mm-hmm. design like that it's is it's just it's horrifying. just devaluing you know artists as like a collective whole which which is really frustrating because you know lots of times there's just nothing we can really do about it well there's certainly a difference in quality there too you know no they're definitely yeah because yeah. you're getting like your cookie cutter artist and not you know like mm-hmm. someone creating this like original work you know so yeah there, yeah there i'm sure they difference. have a template that they just like plug in the name of your brand they're like there yeah, it is exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so you're getting exactly. what you pay for to an extent i don't know it, it's things like that that always frustrates me and especially as artists the work that we produce even if it's not something that we personally are doing like it, even if it's not a personal project there is so much mental power and emotional energy that goes into the projects because mm-hmm. you are you are using your own creative mind to create these products and these designs and you know whatever it is that you're that you're making and so much of ourselves goes into it and there is I don't know that like sensitivity with it but I don't know we should get paid for our mental energy (laughs) I should get paid for all those times that I stay up till 4am just bullshitting and but yet here we are yep um and I wanted to ask you and we talked about it a little bit before um but the print that you made for the Anxiety and Depression Association of America mm-hmm. and what encouraged you to do that So basically every year I try to do some sort of kind of like charity nonprofit benefit piece and that was the one for this year and its title is A Better Son it's uh, it's a song by this band Sorority Noise but basically what it is is um it's this kind of like New York cityscape piece and like on the side of a building it just says like I'm trying my best in these kind of worn building sign letters and stuff like that and this piece I started it back in like May Uh, I think that's when I started the original clayboard for it and it's something that's really it's it's a really special piece for me because this time a year ago like I was going through I mean you know like I like I kind of mentioned earlier I was going through you know, leaving college and dealing with anxiety and depression, you know, that's something that, you know, I feel like just about everyone struggles with, but not a lot of people talk about, which I think in in the past couple of years, it has become a more vocal thing, which I think is good. But I know for me, you know, all throughout college and, you know, most of high school, like, you know, I always kind of had like that anxiety and depression there. And um, just as like I got into college and especially last year as a whole, like it kind of just got worse, you know, like, Last summer, uh, I had an office job all summer, and I would literally go and clock into work, work nine to five, clock out, and like go home. And whenever I think about last summer, I really can't remember doing anything because I don't think I actually really did anything. And so it kind of just got worse, and then the semester started, and that didn't help things either. And I just had all these really bad self destructive habits and stuff. And then there was kind of one point where I was just I had a lot of suicidal thoughts um, and those sorts of things. And I was kind of like, you know, I really don't think I can do this anymore. And it all kind of just mounted. And it was actually a year ago from Saturday that I checked into Shepherd Pratt and uh, I did outpatient therapy there. Mm -hmm. So at that time, I I stopped working. I stopped going to classes, but it was basically going to be just for a week. I was like, all right, you know, I'll take the time here, you know, take care of myself. Then like, I'll go back and, you know, keep going with the semester. Mm -hmm. But I finished the first week. And then um, that Friday, I was going home to my parents. And on my way home, I totaled my car, which it wasn't even a bad accident. It wasn't a bad accident at all. But I remember after it happened, I was like, man, like, part of me really wishes that that was worse which obviously isn't a good thing to think. Yeah. And so that's kind of when I realized, I was like, okay, like I'm still not better. Like I need to take the time to like figure my shit out. And so thankfully since then, I had never had a point where I've even felt as remotely low as I did last year. But mental health and anxiety and depression specifically is something that's still always had this very like prevalent place in my mind. And so for this year, yeah, I decided that I wanted to do something to kind of benefit that, you know, that community, the, the mental health community, and kind mm-hmm. of do something to sort of give back to that. And so that's that's what that became of that piece. It was an addition. Yeah. It was an addition of fifty, and I think I have maybe like twenty left or so, mm-hmm. which is a pretty fast sell as far as stuff for me goes. So I'm very very happy that um, the support for that has been so great. And when I when I first released them, that was the first time that I first that 
I first publicly talked about like why I dropped out because like most people assume I dropped out for art and stuff like that, which is not at all why I left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was the first time that I talked publicly about, you know, dealing with that. And there was just a ton of support. And I, I couldn't have been more grateful for, for the reception of that. Like you need to put your mental health first. Exactly. And if you don't like everything else in your world is going to suffer. Exactly. And um, I mean, my mom, you know, she always had like, I mean, I, I think so that she still deals with anxiety. So they were always very understanding. And um, mm-hmm. there was a time that, um, you know, after I left college that like, you know, obviously, obviously, like they wanted me to finish school, you know, both my parents went to UMD, my mom was like, her high school val- valedictorian. And you know, all of my other siblings are in college or went through college. Mm-hmm. So I think for a while, you know, and it's like, I'd always kind of had it worked in my head that I needed college, you know, all throughout high school. That's always what I was told, you know, like all my friends went to college, like all that stuff. But it's like, I kind of had this moment of realization. It's kind of a dumb story, but it's like, um, after I got out of therapy at Shepherd Pratt, one of the days, like I was kind of just sitting out there. I was reading Slaughterhouse Five at the time. Like it's one of my favorite books and like I've reread it like a hundred times. And you know, it's like they have that whole kind of like serenity prayer where it's like, you know, like grant me like, I forget what it is off the top of my head, but it's basically kind of like accepting the things that you can't change, but like having the courage to change the things that you can. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of like when I realized, I was like, wait, like, I don't have to be in college right now. Like, this isn't like, it's a huge, I mean, you know, leaving college is a huge change. Like, that will change. It changed just about like every aspect of my life. But it's like, it is something that you can still change, you know, like, so when I kind of thought about that, I was like, maybe this isn't what I need right now. And I, you know, looking back, that was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my entire life because Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, it's like, I always try to believe that it's like everything happens for a reason. And like, I try to find like, you know, like just the reasons behind different things. And I remember when all that was going on, I was like, you know, why is this happening? Like, there's no good behind this. But now it's like looking back, like if I didn't go through all the stuff that I went through, like, I don't think I'd be where I am now, you know? Yeah. It's really weird to kind of just look back and see where you were and, you know, realize that maybe all of that did happen for a reason. Yeah, and it's it's hard to recognize that in the moment. It's 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 impossible to recognize it in the moment, yeah. I feel like. Yeah, and I wanted to bring up this topic because, uh, like, I've dealt with anxiety my entire life, and it's something that both my siblings have, my mom has. Uh, so it's definitely something that runs, we got. Runs in the family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we've all kind of found our own ways of dealing with it, and that changes constantly. Like, every day I feel like I figure a new a new way to handle it and old ways that didn't work and ways that I'm maybe making it better or making it worse for myself. Mm. But in the last... Uh, really in the last like two years, I've gotten almost, uh, I don't know if it's actually seasonal depression, but I've definitely been getting like once a year around the same time. And for me, it's summer. Mm-hmm. Summer's rough. I feel like yeah. everyone always thinks summer's so great, but it's like summers are rough. Yeah. And I think, and, and that's been a very new thing for me to figure out about myself. And I know for a lot of people, like mental illness can kind of develop in your like mid to late 20s mm-hmm. or it can be something that you experience as a child um, or something you don't experience until later adulthood but it's something I've learned to take seriously and mm-hmm. the first year I had it I, it was very much like a I don't even know what the hell I'm doing I don't know why I feel this way I can't change it I can't yep. reason it I can't explain it but I feel the way that I do and I don't know how to stop it and this year when it hit me again, I was like, I, I need to be candid about it and talk mm-hmm. about it and take it seriously. I mean, I know for me, it's like there were days where it's like, you know, when I was working at an office job at Towson, I would wake up feeling miserable. I'd go and sit in my cubicle all day, be miserable all day and then go home and it's just nothing changes and it's just like it was just that cycle of you know it's just like that's kind of what you're putting up with and it's like that's not a way to live you know it's like you really mental health is really important you really need to be able to address like when you're not doing okay you know yeah Mm -hmm. do you have any uh like strategies that you've figured out when you do recognize yourself getting to a lower point to try to combat it or (sighs) (laughs) I wish I did lots of times though I'll kind of just push through it I mean thankfully though you know like I said it's like I haven't had too much problems this year it's like most of the problems this year I've had a lot of like work-related anxiety just because I'm like oh you know like how am I gonna get this done like is this gonna Mm -hmm. turn out okay 
and the best luck I've had is kind of just pushing through it. And, you know, it's like, you know, once you get those jobs done, like you do get that break. I mean, but then, you know, eventually other jobs sort of just like take their place. But um, it's definitely gotten easier as the year's gone. You know, it's like, I feel like when yeah. you have that first year of freelance, like that's going to be one of the hardest years because like you're just, you're trying to do everything and you're trying to figure out what works. So I don't know. I don't really have one like set way that I combat it though, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that like obviously I don't think there's a, a fix that works for everybody. It would be nice. Yeah, it it changes person to person and experience to experience. Like last year with me, it was going to therapy and like having someone talk to me and like help me understand that like this is normal and it will end it just feels like it won't right now mm -hmm. it's like why is this happening like yeah yeah and like for me this year it was like okay i'm gonna make it a point to like spend time with people and be outside and like speak very candidly with my partner about it because like for me my anxiety wants to isolate me and be like, nope, don't worry about it. Don't burden other people with your feelings. But that's not. I need. <laughs> I need to spend more time outside. Like especially now that it's fall and it's really nice. Like that's one thing I'm really mm. bad with. You know, like today and yesterday, I've just been like chipping away on the colors on this poster. So it's like I haven't left my house at all today, and I left my house Same. like <laughs> I left my house like once yesterday. Yeah. So I kind of need to be more deliberate on that on days that I'm working on stuff. But it's like. I don't really exercise a lot and that's something I probably should do. So like I might start trying to like get back in the swing of like doing something like more regularly, I think. Yeah. This might be a little bit of a tangent, but you said that you're preparing for um, a trip in January or next month. Yeah. Yeah. In January. Um, is that is that related to your work at all or is this just taking some time off? It's just taking some time off really. Mm -hmm. I've always I've always really really wanted to kind of do like a whole like cross country sort of thing mm -hmm. and I figure since I'm getting all this work done on my car like it's going to be in really good working condition and hopefully like I'll have a decent chunk of cash from like you know holiday sales and that sort of thing. So you know it's kind of just me being like okay like 2017 I worked really really hard all year and didn't take like any time off so I'm kind of just like mm -hmm. I'm just gonna like you know do a little trip thing but um it has been kind of nice with work sometimes that like I do get to travel for like you know different things like that like you know like I've I did a show in like New York over the summer and I've done a show in Chicago and it's nice because it's like you can kind of like work in some free time in your schedule to sort of just like go and like you know hang out and like a tourist and stuff like that yeah absolutely i've been trying to do that for myself a little bit more like scheduling craft shows in cities near like friends that i want to visit uh -huh. and uh like there's one that i've been i did last year and i'm doing it again this year in nashville and one of my best friends is in knoxville so it's okay. an excuse it's like okay i want to go down, I'm and down visit here. her yeah yeah so I might as well make some money while I'm down there so I can schedule trips around social activities like, you know, it's a one day show, but I'm going to be down there for like four or five days and get to spend time with her finding ways to partner your personal life with your work life to yeah. like kind of mm -hmm. just by that. Just like putting all that <laughs> together and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like I saw, you know, it's like Crafty Bastards has like the Nashville or the Charleston show, I think. Mm -hmm. I like traveling with stuff, but it's like, you know, lots of times, you know, if I'm doing something in a new city, then I'm like, all right, well, now I have to like make stuff for that city. And like, sometimes that can kind of be a hassle. Yeah. But like, you know, it's nice because, you know, for Chicago, for example, like I have all the stuff done for Chicago. So it's like, I don't have to worry about like creating new inventory if like I want to go and do something there, which is nice. Yeah. Or I mean, even just like this past weekend, like I spent the weekend in Frederick and like, I've never really done much out there, but like, it's kind of nice to just be like, like, no, you're kind of there like working and doing something, but also just like being out of like Baltimore, wherever you live. Yeah. Just like a nice, mm -hmm. nice, little, yeah, nice little breakaway. Yeah. Um, do you have any tools or resources that you use in running your business or maybe something that you like gain knowledge from like, you know, podcasts or blogs or books or anything that have really helped you with the like business side of what you're doing mainly that i mean lots you know lots of times like it's just talking to other artists and seeing what like works for them you know and just seeing mm -hmm. different like strategies other people have i mean i learned a lot from uh charlie he's the one i mentioned earlier that i, I worked for him uh last year he's the other screen printer mm -hmm. like I, I learned a lot from him but also really just the podcast i mentioned earlier adventures in design 
just because I mean, even in high school, like that's when I started listening to it. And that was another mm-hmm. great asset because you're getting just all of these artists who are like, you know, like my favorite artists like talking and like, you know, they'll talk about like what works for them and like and they talk they'll talk about like, you know, their personal work, but then, you know, they also talk about you know, like the business end of things, which is helpful because, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you're going to college for art or anything like that, like they won't teach you how to run your own business. Like that's, that's something where it's like all colleges fall short on that. And that's one of the most important things to know because it's like, I've known people where it's like, they're really, really talented artists, but they just don't know how to market themselves and sell themselves, which that's one of the most important tools that you'll have. So, um, that podcast has been really great because like I've learned a lot from that I don't know a lot of it's just trial and error you know like figuring out what works best for you and figuring out what doesn't yeah mm-hmm. yeah I mean Amanda and I are big podcast junkies and that's mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously part of the motivation to start our own podcast but yeah. I think more than anything it's just like having resources that you can look to and being able to share knowledge Mm -hmm. and um, to feel like you are part of this sort of greater collective of people that are figuring it out together. And I mean, we've all had mentors that have been really helpful to us um, along our own paths who like we've been able to just candidly ask questions to and mm-hmm. and share with and then I think we've also experienced the opposite uh, like you were mentioning earlier where there's a little bit of not even necessarily hostility but just like that you know idea of keeping your cards close and yeah. people not wanting to share and so that can be frustrating too um, when you're you're just trying to you know, figure it out. And especially when you're um, trying to build the sense of yeah, community. It's, it's just like, hey, man, like, I'm just like, looking for help here. I'm not asking for you to like, hand your business over to me or something like that, you know, so. Right, absolutely. Because you're gonna inevitably have your own way of applying it to the work that you're doing. And, you, you know, you're, you're on a different path, even if you live in the same city, or you're working in the same medium. Or whatever it is. So yeah, I mean, like to ask it, what it, other people turn to because I think that's one thing that you know Amanda and I shared with each other, and then mm-hmm. part of this is so that we can kind of broaden that. I mean, yeah, it's like just because something works for someone doesn't mean it's going to work for someone else. You know, like there's different things that work right. better for different people. You know, so mm-hmm. I I think you know it's like definitely like share what works for you with other people, but you know just because it works for you doesn't mean that it's going to work great for that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any advice either that's been given to you that's been super helpful or advice that you would want to give that you think is super helpful? Definitely just, you know, don't be afraid to like, you know, never think that your work isn't good enough. You know, I mean, people always tell me like, fake it till you make it. And, um, you know, a year ago, you know, like I said, I never would have imagined that like I'm doing what I'm doing now and you know most artists who are who are big in the gig poster scene you know they're either like early 30s 40s you know they're people who are like just under the point where they could like be my parents so it's weird because like I still feel like this kid who kind of like just left high school and so it's really weird to kind of just like be in that world yeah I mean confidence in my work is kind of something that like I didn't have for a while I think I've definitely kind of like grown into that a little more so kind of just like you know just I guess kind of having confidence in yourself like I don't want to say like believing in yourself but I mean it's like to a degree yeah you know it's yeah you definitely need to be confident in what you do Mm -hmm. yeah it's almost like if you don't believe in yourself, how are you supposed to convince anyone yeah, else? Yeah, no, too? no, ex- exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, that's like I, you know, when I used to like send out emails to bands, I used to be like, yeah, you know, like I just left college, and because you know, it kind of makes not makes you like them like feel sorry for you, but just to kind of say that you're starting off. But now it's just like you know, like yeah, you know, this is what I do, like X Y Z, and so it's I think confidence is very right, is so really needs important. No justification. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Let it speak for itself. Yeah, I guess learning learning to say no to jobs too, but that's something that I I haven't even learned that yet. So I it, it feels a little wrong to give that out as advice. Yeah, don't be a phony. Yeah, don't do that. That's not that's not fun. And um, uh, I don't know. Being nice to people. Don't be try to like outdo every single person who's trying to do what you're doing because no matter like when you're an artist no matter what it is that you're doing there's always going to be someone that's better than you so that's that's one important thing to remember like you know i'm not nearly the best artist i know or even on that caliber you know and it's like sometimes you really kind of just have to remember that that it's like confidence is good but it's like cockiness isn't as good 
you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where can people check out your work online if they're interested in seeing it or purchasing any prints? My website is just suburbanavengerart.com. I eventually want to get that changed over to Suburban Avenger Studios, but I kind of keep putting that off. That's something I should probably do. <laughs> it's just suburbanavengerart.com and Instagram's the main social media I use. It's just at suburban underscore Avenger. And you know, like through my website, you can find like contact in the store and like all that other stuff. Sweet. I think that's all I got. Thanks. Thanks for <laughs> yeah, having me. Thanks thank for having you me so on. much. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thank you for this sharing the first your time, story. This is the first time I've talked on a podcast. So. Ah, so happy to have you. <laughs> that's it for this episode of the Beyond the Studio podcast. You can find show notes, references, and a brief summary of the episode over at our website, beyondthe.studio. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our email list where we have all kinds of exclusive content that we only have available to our subscribers. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. If you're listening to this episode via iTunes, we'd love to ask you to give us a rating and a review because it really makes a big difference. The more reviews we get, the more people we can connect with. And the more we connect, the better we get. And we're trying to get real good here. Um, sorry, my roommate just scared the shit out of me. <laughs> we can cut this out. It's okay. That's me every time I walk into the studio when my husband's like listening to music or had he- have headphones in. He like jumps out of his chair. I'm like, I'm just saying hi. <laughs> <laughs>